0: This is the first part of a two-part series on how to craft an offer and sell it fast and today we're going to be talking about creating an online group program. Working with clients one-to-one is great and can be very rewarding but it doesn't have to be your entire business model. Remember last week's episode we talked about leveraging group programs? Well if you're ready to start serving more people let's go through what's involved in designing, implementing and running an online group program. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every week I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast with me, Jay Allison. And today you're in for a real treat because I'm deconstructing online group programs so you can see exactly what's involved and decide if you're ready to go down this road. Remember last week's episode, we talked about leveraging group programs What's really neat is there's no cap on your income when you create an online group program because you can design it to cater for high numbers and for your clients well people really love a good group program so it's totally win-win and I'm a big advocate of mixing things up in your business in order to create leverage for yourself and avoid the ups and downs the pressures and strains of one-to-one consulting or coaching work. Working with clients one-to-one is great and can be very rewarding but it doesn't have to be your entire business model. Ideally you should have a mix of high-end clients and mid-end customers and I love that I can help people through my group program, people who would probably not be right for our consulting services. Contrary to the whole load of work that you think business growth requires, to maximize your reach and revenue you actually need to use the golden rule of less is more. Narrow your focus, streamline your process, package your system. You want to work towards achieving more with less, right? Leveraging your expertise in terms of what you offer, to whom you offer it and how you deliver it. I'd hazard a guess there are a lot more people who are happy to pay for your knowledge in a group program or aren't yet at the point of affording or needing your personal attention. It's a bigger market and it's an easier price point for them to say yes to. So I'm going to tackle this in two parts. Today in this episode, part one, we'll look at creating the offer, designing the program and look at what's involved in implementing how you deliver it. Then next week in part two, we'll look at building the sales process to help people find out about your program and make the decision to buy. So let's get started by just reminding ourselves why it's worth spending time and perhaps even a little money to create an online group program. When you create an online group program, you're able to leverage your expertise and offer that package several times a year or once a year for a big program. You're able to work with more people while offering a premium option for those who want to go deeper and have you help them implement their projects. Because when you only have a high-end consulting offer, you're limited to how many clients you can serve. Create an online group program that includes a variety of courses, resources and support and your expertise can be delivered in a much more flexible and interactive way. You need to be bringing in revenue in a reliable and consistent and dependable way before you start scaling things up, that's for sure, because it shows that you've got proof of concept and that people want what you have to offer. So I always advise starting off with pre-selling a pilot program. I help people get to the stage where your message matches your market and that your sales process is effective. If you're ready to start serving more people, let's go through what's involved in designing, implementing and running an online group program. Here's what we're gonna cover in part one. First of all, ideation and clarifying the audience, packaging a compelling offer, navigating the delivery logistics, content planning and e-tivities, I'll tell you what that means in a moment, and mapping your implementation workflow. Now, I'll start with a little backstory. For the last decade of my life, I've been producing online courses and programs, but never really shared the intimate details of how we approach that and what I do. Recently, I've been working with a business group who are getting into the training provider game and had this approach that materials was the course. One guy showed me his course, and the curriculum was really all over the place. Just one PowerPoint and no clear structure or way to take a learner from where they are from their starting point to achieving the learning outcomes of the course. And it wasn't just designed to be at all well marketed. I mean, I, I felt this was really sad because it just wasn't done well. And yet he'd poured all his mind and heart into it. And for years, people have been coming to me to help me design their courses and professional development workshops and so forth. So finally, I've created a framework that takes people through exactly how to design a great group program from start to finish. In fact, this two-parter is a slice through what's covered in more detail in my own online group program, the Leverage Business Accelerator Program, LBA for short. Through LBA, I help my clients tackle the three big pieces of the puzzle of creating great offers that sell, and that's clarify, package, and scale. Said in more detail, that's how to clarify what you do to attract more of your ideal clients how to package a core and compelling offer that delivers results for a hungry audience and how to create a fast, effective and scalable sales process. And indeed, half of what I include in my book are principles and process and the other half are the practicalities. How much clarity? What kind of packages? How do I decide on pricing? How scalable are group programs? So I wanted in this episode as well to tackle a few typical questions I get from clients and prospective clients in our strategy calls. The first is around ideation and clarifying the audience. Interestingly, when I talk about the three steps of clarify, package and scale, where many people get stuck probably eight times out of 10 is the clarifying stage. Here's a typical email message I get. My question is about the clarify part. I've spent a lot of time looking to align my purpose with my target audience, but I'm still struggling to nail my niche. We looked into this in my interview with Rebecca Tracy back in episode 16. We talked a lot about this initial foundation work and how you can think differently about what your niche might be so that you're not kind of going round and round in circles or wasting a lot of time trying to get it perfect. So I'm not going to go over that again here. But what I will say is this. When you start focusing on the challenges you help your clients overcome, instead of focusing on the services you offer or the content you want to um, get out there, you'll notice a turnaround in both engagement and take up. A related question goes like this I keep hearing about packaging your offer, but I'm not sure what that means. Is it the branding or your copy or something else? What am I missing? Okay, so before we go into packaging, let me preface the answer. There's a critical component that has to happen right in the very beginning, whether you're creating online courses or events or products or services, or quite frankly, anything that you want people to buy. And that's to actually start by asking people for feedback to make sure that what you're thinking of creating is the right, is striking the right chord so you can know exactly what the main challenges and problems that people are having and how they express them. It's really just enough to ask some very fundamental questions. So around this thing that you're creating, you need to pinpoint a few specifics. What do people really want to know about? What topics are they most interested in? What are the details of what people most want to hear about? You can ask them, what are are your fears or concerns? What do you think you're really going to struggle with? What would stop you from actually moving forward? And the other area I always like to know about is what, what they would want to know or hear from me to feel comfortable or safe enough to actually buy and enroll on a program that helped them with those things. So if you haven't already done this market research, who are you going to approach to find those things out? The second area is around the packaging itself, packaging a compelling offer. So let's talk about that. The way i like to look at this is that the package is both the program design and the wrapper to sell it in terms of program design it's the specific set of things that you need in order to help your participants get the outcomes or result that they want which your program promises to deliver So that means the tangible embodiment of your delivery model, the program design, and the blend of modalities that are the means to achieving the promised result or outcomes. And it's also the framework you use, your unique methodology, a step-by-step to get your client from A to B. Your packaged offer is based on your expert system. It should incorporate your positioning, your credibility, your branding, your pricing, And what I tell my clients to do when they're creating their sales narrative is to really think about why this, why now, and why you. Often the packaging extends to the sales page and includes the unique value proposition based around your expert authority, the benefits say to the organization if it's a B2B offer or to the individual if it's B2C. It sets out the features and cost. It's laid out in your brand style. The messaging, on the other hand, is around what you'll learn and what you'll be able to do as a result of the program, the benefits, and why that's important to solving your ideal client or customer avatar's needs and pain points, and why our program works better, faster than other programs like this or alternatives, and why us to deliver it. Get specific on purpose, audience, and modalities. There's another question that often comes up and it's another interesting one. So I wanted to unpack it here for you too. It goes like this. Jay, in your book, you mentioned value for money quite often. Can you explain a little bit more what that looks like in terms of how you package and price your offer? Okay, so let's dive into that. First of all, I would say the price is set on a mix of various considerations. And these include one, the perceived value, i.e. what the prospect thinks they'll get or achieve. Two, the real value. And that means the money saved, the future earnings, the cost of inaction. Three, the strength of your positioning means that you can ask higher prices if you have already an authority or credibility in the marketplace. And four, there's a question around what the market will stand. And that's where your competitor analysis comes in. And maybe sometimes the industry standard rates um, are a factor. But that's not the only thing that you should base your prices on. All four are equally important. A broader thing is this. Great packages should be irresistible to a specific target market. So be specific about the transformation, about the audience's motivation for the end result they want. Your offer needs to have a clear and compelling title, tagline and description that really speaks to what that reader, that visitor, that audience most need and want help with and are willing to pay good money to get. When we charge high prices for our consulting or coaching, it's because it involves doing a lot of high touch work with clients. If you move towards something that's more leveraged, that doesn't mean they don't get the results or that there isn't value in what you deliver. And in fact, you can blend in some one-to-one support if that's what it takes. And you can still earn the big bucks from online group programs. The more interaction with you that you build in, the more you can charge, both because it affects your own time and cost to deliver and because the people get the results and they get a great group experience too. Let's look now at navigating the delivery logistics because another question that comes up for me and my clients is about the different modalities in delivering the program. Here's what a client asked me in a strategy call not so long ago. It's a little long-winded, but it's a great question. She said, I have an offer. It's kind of a hybrid of pre-made modules and live group sessions, but it's not something I can charge much for because it's quite hands-off. But if I add in more of my time to customize it or to work one to one with a client, it defeats the purpose of something leveraged. Is there like a perfect recipe for a high end program that doesn't take up too much of my time to deliver it? And I had another client who was going down this same road and getting stuck um, in this balance, um, this question around balance really. And he said that to get people the big end result they want, he needs to customize it quite a bit, which is back to square one. And that it's not very scalable. So while I can't address that directly without knowing the specifics, I can say mostly the solution lies in identifying the typical path you take any client through and building customization around the core components through opportunities for dialogue, feedback, discussion, Q&A and masterminding. And that really rarely do they absolutely need to sit down with you one-to-one. If it is an absolute prerequisite for them getting results, then that's what you blend in even if it's just one or two sessions. It's certainly not a one-to-one level of engagement throughout the whole process. There's an awful lot that you can leverage that doesn't need your one-to-one time and this is really what determines the blend of modalities when you create an online group program. In education speak it's also called blended learning although that originally was more to do with the blend of offline and online learning for university teaching. What I can do is give you some examples based on online group programs I've helped my clients develop. So one is a series of six modules based on a lesson pack used previously in live sessions, where participants also have access to a workbook, live Q&A calls on Zoom, and a little bit of one-to-one support. Another is six written modules, assignments, feedback, and executive team support. Another blend was seven video-based modules, weekly assignments and feedback and group coaching calls. And another one was a variation on that. One lady offered two two two-hour pre-recorded in-depth video trainings recorded from a live event, added into that a live three-hour mastermind and followed it on with individual coaching. So that leads us nicely into content planning and e-tivities and I said I'd explain what I meant by that and this is the place where I'm going to do that. So in designing my programs I still always follow a framework I learned about two decades ago makes me feel really old. Um, I was in the midst of a career in e-learning back in the day and uh, you know the fundamentals of learning don't change so They can't exactly go out of date. Only our thinking about how to use the new digital tools makes things different things possible um, or easier or quicker to implement. And we used to come up with some amazing learning activities but we just didn't have the technology to deliver them online like we can today. Well, there's two people from my university career days in the learning design space who I still follow for designing online group programs. They're actually both Brits, and they're both female, and don't get me wrong, there's plenty of international people I borrow ideas from, and men too, so I'm just teasing. The first lady is Gillie Salmon, Professor Gillie Salmon. She's actually emigrated to Australia a while back, but I did some work with her at the University of Leicester, I think around 2010. Anyway, Gilly's five-stage model for online learning course design is infamous and has really stood the test of time within the field. And she also wrote a brilliant book called E-tivities, the key to active online learning. Despite being written back in 2002, can you believe that's almost 20 years ago? But to me, it remains an excellent source of ideas for what you can ask your students or learners to do that helps them learn, change behaviors and develop their capabilities. The second lady is a friend of mine called Grania Canole who is another go-to gal for online learning design. And she created a framework called the seven C's of learning design that I still refer people to for designing online courses. Just Google it and you'll find plenty of free resources and diagrams. And I've added a link to a full presentation on the seven C's to the episode show notes for you. Another way to look at the design of an online group program is to think about the type of learning that needs to happen and the role of the teacher in relation to what the learner is doing. For example, in my days of designing courses for CPD, that's continuing professional development, we looked at things as three tiers. The structured active learning, that's where the program is very activity led. It's highly participative and interactive. So we use that a lot for action learning and that's how a lot of my iSuccess courses are based on. It's typically proactive and great for practice-based courses, helping people not just to know more but be able to do something better. Then there's reflective learning, where the participant is asked to read, watch or listen and to challenge their own thinking or practice. Usually this circles back to active learning if you add in an opportunity to discuss or to mastermind the new ideas and to come up with strategies that's going to take people forward. And there's also plain simple self-directed learning which is totally unaccompanied so like the do-it-yourself self-study model. Many people call this the true evergreen cause because you design once, deliver many times and don't have to be there each time it runs or someone gets started. However, when you're dealing with transformation, it's very rare that somebody can kind of just do a course. So this is more like an information kind of product, which doesn't always serve what our audience needs to get the benefits, to get the real change and outcomes that they're looking for. So just be a little bit wary of thinking about evergreen courses as your route to passive income because there's no such thing as passive income. And it really diminishes the transformation that you possibly are going to be able to bring to somebody if there's no input from you and there's no kind of feedback, feedback cycles and, and dialogue involved. Continuing professional development is something few of us are unfamiliar with. Even if you're self-employed and running a business, that's always things you'll be learning and improving on. And in the workplace, of course, it's more formalized in the form of industry-specific seminars, workshops, training courses. But it can also be informal through one's own reading, news updates and research, as well as in peer groups or mentoring. So the trick of designing online group programs is to give people structure and give people a path to success, whilst having a great experience working with others of like-minded people all looking to achieve some kind of successful outcome from the work that they're doing. Lastly, let's look at the mapping of your implementation workflow. And this is simply to help you to run the program successfully. Although not strictly part of what's needed to craft the offer and sell it fast, because you can pre-sell your online group program before you've even built the first module, I wanted to include a bit on workflow. One, because I love workflows. And two, because many like to get organized and feel ahead of things. So I think it's useful to lay out exactly what's involved in running a program. And really all I mean by this is that you have a clear sense of the three stages of this whole process. One, you have to design the online group program. The steps here are to do the market research, to do the outreach, to get interviews to talk about the focus and the design of the offer to identify that all important problem language we were talking about and understand how people want to learn and participate. And from there, the second stage is to create the narrative, the copy that's going to help people resonate with the offer, see the value and decide if it's right for them. And the offer can be made through a sales page, a discovery call, a webinar, or a series of emails, and all those things need to be created. So we'll talk about those, that side of things in next week's episode when we look at putting in place an effective sales process. And the third thing is you need, that you need to put in place is a process to take payments, just simple um, admin and operations, to onboard and orientate your participants and to deliver the program's activities. So it's worth mapping all of that out so that you can see what systems and VA support you might want to put in place to help you execute the process. Because if you've got this up and running or you're delivering a number of group programs, it really helps that it's not all down to you, that you actually have a team and some support for your participants as well. If you are doing it alone, you'll want to see the process clearly so you can set a realistic time frame for getting everything done and get organized in how you run things and decide on your launch date. Just one final word on this, um, just to bear in mind because it's super important. Reinvention is the key to sustainable business success, right? And I say that because just now I mentioned the dreaded word launch. And we need to think in terms of planning out launches because every time you create a new offer and want to sell it, you need to think of it as a launch, even if it's not an all singing or dancing launch, as we talked about in Busting Myths About Successful Launches a few weeks ago in episode 21. In fact, each time you want to enroll people onto an existing program, a launch sequence will really help you promote it and sell it. And as we all know, this past year, more than ever, the market does not stand still. So quite often you need to give some kind of reinvigoration and re-engagement into your offers. Sometimes you need to tweak the offers. Sometimes you need to tweak the, the titles even. Because what's worked and was in demand one year may not apply to the next. And look at this past year. I mean, who would have predicted the massive changes in our world? So the world is changing. And we can see it in front of us. We need to keep taking the temperature so we can respond in what we as a business are offering so we can keep serving and stay relevant to people's changing needs and interest. Your professional identity and positioning we talked about a little while back may stay relatively similar, but the messaging possibly changes. Now, those who have done well over the last 12 months have understood the implications and pivoted their offer. If you think you can't craft and sell a high-end offer fast when what people want and need has suddenly changed dramatically, then I hope today has been helpful. Tune in to next week's episode where I'm looking at exactly how to put an effective sales process into play to get those important enrollments coming in. And so it's cha for now. See you then. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.